In the last few days, I've been talking to a lot of people who knew and loved the victims of the Boulder King Super shooting. I wanted to share one thing out of the many things that stayed with me. This is Father Radovan Petrovic, and one of the victims, 23-year-old Nevin Stanisic, attended Father Petrovic's church. What I can tell you is that family is, is wondering how this can happen here in this country, to which they fled from war, from madness, from poverty, you know, to come to this country and start a new life and then to have this tragedy happen to them. Nevin Stanisic's family were refugees from the Yugoslav War, from Serbia and Bosnia. But this question that they're asking, I think, is a really universal one that we hear after every mass shooting, both from ordinary people and from politicians. Why? Why here? And what can be done to make this stop? This week on Purplish, the mass murder in Boulder has lawmakers in Denver and Washington, D.C. again talking about more restrictions on guns. And that means we're here to talk about what they want to do, what they've done before, and how big a fight it's all going to be. From member-supported CPR News, this is Purplish, a show about Colorado politics and democracy. I'm Benta Brooklyn here with my colleague Andrew Kenny. Hi, Benta. And joining us from the East Coast are Washington, D.C. reporter Caitlin Kim. Hi. We're recording this on the morning of Thursday, March 25th. Things can and will change. This week, things did actually change on the issue we'll be talking about, more restrictions on guns. Before the mass shooting in Boulder, Democratic lawmakers at the state legislature were pushing forward a couple of gun bills that Republicans don't support but aren't hugely controversial. Now they're starting to talk about policies more sweeping than anything I've seen proposed in the state before, Mm. and really some ideas that weren't being talked about at all publicly just a few days ago. An assault-style weapons ban across Colorado. Meanwhile, President Biden called for passage of a nationwide assault weapons ban right after the Boulder shooting. I don't need to wait another minute, let alone an hour, to take common sense steps that will save the lives in the future and to urge my colleagues in the House and Senate to act. We can ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines in this country once again. But this is a scene that has played out in Congress many times before. Democrats are saying once again that enough is enough. They're talking about the need to act on bills to reduce gun violence. But honestly, once they get through the immediate thoughts and prayers, This just hasn't dominated things in D.C. Republicans and Democrats have other priorities they want to fight over. Well, there has been some action, right, in Congress. I think Democrats in the U.S. House just passed a couple of gun bills. And backers have been trying to push them forward in the Senate. There was even a Senate hearing on how to reduce gun violence already scheduled before either of the shootings in Atlanta or Boulder. You know, something the chair, Dick Durbin of Illinois, noted. I can't change them in my opening statement to keep up with it. It just keeps coming at us. We are numb to the numbers. Unless we are personally touched, it's just another statistic. That has got to stop. I want to stop and react to something that Durbin said there, the idea that we become numb to the numbers unless we're personally touched. I don't know if I believe that because I don't think these shootings are surprising anymore, and yet it still feels like it punches just as hard in the gut every time it happens. 
I talked to one local lawmaker here who said that he thinks sometimes people say we've gone numb to this, and mm. he doesn't think that's true at all. Mm. He said he thinks we've gotten good at it, and we've had mm. a lot of practice. Senate Majority Leader Steve Femberg, he's a Democrat. He was born and raised in Boulder, and he represents that district. And I think he just really described what a lot of people here are feeling. I'm devastated. I, I, this is my grocery store. This is down the street from where my wife teaches middle school and her students go there on lunch break. Yeah, Benta, I've been hearing a lot of that personal anguish, too. I've been talking, like I said, with people who are friends and co-workers of the people who were killed in the attack. Mm. And let me tell you about one of these co-workers, Darcy Lopez. She was in the store. She's worked there for a couple of years. She was in the store at the time of the attack. And for her, this horrible event is rapidly turning her into an advocate for gun reform. She described herself as someone who grew up around a lot of guns. She was mm. shot guns. She is from Fort Lupton. But what she experienced, she said, on Monday is just unlike anything she ever imagined. You know, anybody can walk off the street and just buy the thing and use it. And it's it's just, it's unbelievable. I feel like it's just people just don't understand they don't understand it until they hear those gunshots. I've shot guns before. I've heard gunshots before. It's nothing like this. You know, just so many rounds so fast. You know, and just it went on for so long. One person, one gun. When does it end? And to be clear, this is one person's view. I wanted to ask you guys, though, do you think that this moment does create any political will, whether it's in the state or the federal level, for Democrats to again take that political risk and pass something like an assault weapons ban? I think it's a real possibility that something could happen, especially with so much grief and calls for action after a Boulder shooting. Mm. I, I listened to a town hall with Democratic lawmakers who represent that area and members of Congress, and there was definitely a sense of urgency. Democratic Representative Judy Amapole um, represents the district where the shooting occurred, and she also has a personal connection to that King Supers. Her son used to work there, and his girlfriend is a current employee, even though she wasn't there when the shooting occurred. And I can see how desperately everybody wants us to act. We have to act. This has got to be a moment where we don't just do what we did at Sandy Hook. Not to be negative here, but I don't think Congress is going to do anything. Um, and it, and it's not just, you know, political courage from Democrats. You're going to have to see that from Republicans as well, especially if you want to clear anything the Senate. You know, there are some Democrats who say the calculus is a bit different this time around than the last time they passed meaningful gun legislation, the assault weapons ban, because the NRA has declared bankruptcy. It might not be the political force it was back then, sort of targeting Democrats who supported that measure. But, of course, you know, Republicans will fundraise off of any Democratic efforts when it comes to gun control. And Representative Lauren Boebert already sent out a fundraising email. So what I think I'm hearing is that, Lynn, you are pretty skeptical that we'll see any legislation passed at the federal level. Benta, you think we, mm -hmm. we could see something here at the state level in Colorado. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I want to ask, I want to focus on that for a second. What kind of a political fight would that take? And when's the last time we even saw anything like that a, a decade ago? Yeah, probably it was when Colorado passed some gun bills in the wake of the Aurora Theater shooting and Sandy Hook. So the legislature passed universal background checks and a ban on high-capacity magazines. And what I understand happened is that 
Two Democratic senators were then recalled from office. Another had to resign to avoid that happening to them. Do you think lawmakers would be facing a similar backlash if they move forward now, especially given that there's a lot more Democrats in these kind of split suburban districts? Those recalls were definitely unprecedented. The demographics have changed somewhat in Colorado since 2013. Democrats have made more gains. But something like an assault weapons ban would draw unbelievable support and also incredible backlash. One lawmaker I talked to noted that the gun policy debate especially is very divisive and touches on so many different emotions and beliefs. It's always been politically charged, but he says it's only gotten worse. Uh, I want to pause here just to note that we don't know the details yet of what kind of weapon specifically was used in this horrible attack. Uh, Our colleague Ben Marcus has been doing some reporting explaining the many different factors and differentiation. Mm -hmm. But assault weapons in particular are just like incredibly popular. I happen to have two neighbors. I'm close with both of them. One's a Trump voter. Uh, one's like an older, dedicated union-style Democrat. Mm-hmm. They both own them, and I remember both of them <laughs> saying over the summer that they were like ready to protect the neighborhood if if violence broke out. If you remember when things were really on edge, and I think that that really spoke to how common these weapons have become in American culture. Yeah, wow, Andy, that's a really good point, and I think we hear a lot in the national media and locally about how this is so politically divided: Republicans on one side, Democrats on the other, but. It's not like that entirely. And so this is a a tough decision, especially for more moderate Democrats and and maybe people who represent more rural parts of the state. You know, the next big congressional race in Colorado will be Senator Michael Bennett's reelection race in November 2022. You know, there is a lot of time between now and then, but I don't think his support for gun control measures would signal trouble for him in Colorado. A lot of what Democrats in the Senate are talking about legislatively like universal background checks, are steps that Colorado has already taken. I think it's Mm -hmm. very personal for Bennett. You could hear it in his voice when he spoke on the Senate floor about this latest tragedy. He could measure it in the life of his eldest daughter. She was born right after Columbine. She's 21 years old. And her entire generation has grown up in the shadow of gun violence. Something none of us had to do. Both Bennett and John Hickenlooper have talked about a number of bills they'd like to see passed. Yes to both House bills, an assault weapons ban, red flag laws, or increased mental health services. But I'm going to go back to one other thing Bennett said um, since the shooting. That was that his darkest day in the Senate was when the chamber failed to pass a universal background check bill after the Sandy Hook shooting. And he specifically called out that moment. Yeah. You know, 20 young kids, six and seven year olds shot and killed in their classrooms. And Congress, you know, they did nothing. They couldn't get to 60 in the Senate. I also wanted to point out that we're talking about this right now through a political lens, a political filter. But, you know, this may not be something we can easily predict just with like electoral math, because like you heard in in Bannon's voice there, I think this is like a human issue. and, And, you know, sometimes it is more just politicians actually believing in something and doing what they think needs to be done and not pure calculation. I think you're right, but you also can't ignore that some of the politicians in Colorado closest to this shooting are also in the safest Democratic districts. Mm. And 
their constituents in the Boulder area are, are liberal. I, the, a lot of these lawmakers are, too. So I'm, I'm not saying they don't personally support some of this stuff, but it's a part of the state that had strict gun laws already. I mean, in 2018, in response to the Parkland shooting in Florida, Boulder passed an assault-style weapons ban for the city. A state court struck that down, and that's because Colorado is among a few states that, you know, local cities and communities can't have stricter gun laws than the state does. So I wouldn't be surprised if those local lawmakers, and I think we're hearing this already, are kind of at the forefront of bringing up the assault weapons ban and such measures, right? Yes, they've said that explicitly. Um, Some of them have said they want to pursue the most aggressive policies that are possible. Uh, And I think one thing I've been really curious about is some of the Democrats who don't represent places like Boulder and have more politically diverse, ideological diverse. It doesn't have to be just your party registration, but you know, we have two Democratic state lawmakers who are running for Congress. They hope to unseat Republican Congresswoman Lauren Bolbert, mm-hmm. um, Carrie Donovan. She's from the Vale area. And Donald Valdez, he's from Southern Colorado. So they're in a district that's uh, a lot of people are, are big Second Amendment supporters. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how some of those Democrats, especially representing rural parts of the state, are going to vote on something like an assault style weapons ban. If yeah. we do get a bill, I'm, I'm pretty confident that we will see some movement and some legislation and, and have a hearing at some point. Yeah, I, I will say in the summer when I was traveling through that third congressional district, I talked to Ben Nighthorse Campbell, who was a representative for that district as a Democrat. And he said that any Democrat who runs has to be pro-gun in that district. You know, the gun debate is is tied up in a lot of other things, too, and perception and how people think of themselves and their beliefs and you know, Carrie Donovan, she works on her family's ranch. She's got this Western aura. Donald Valdez has voted against some of the more moderate gun policies that have, have passed at the legislature. And he's broken with Democrats on other issues before. So he's definitely one of the more moderate members in the legislature. So uh, Democrats do have a fairly healthy majority in Colorado. So they can still lose some Democratic votes and and pass things through. But We're going to have to see a lot of details on what legislation looks like. And I don't think it's going to be a black and white, easy vote for anyone in that chamber. Well, one thing we'll also be listening for is like, I know that I've personally heard from people like Darcy Lopez who say that they are familiar with guns. They come from a culture that has guns, but they see assault weapons as something different. You know, I would say that's a point you hear a lot from congressional Democrats, Um, Jason Crow who represents Aurora and is a former army ranger, he keeps hammering home, you know, that these types of weapons are weapons of war. You know, you heard this from Joe Nagoose, weapons of war. We heard it from, I think, Senator Bennett, weapons of war. These types of weapons are not things that the average person should have or should use. You know, these are weapons that the military uses to fight people. And I think that's going to be a key messaging point for Democrats going forward. I mean, I think people feel so strongly on this issue. And a a lot of the Republicans I've talked to, and and, and we've heard this, they just feel like this is the complete wrong approach to be talking about the weapons because people feel like this is a a deeper spiritual issue. It's a deeper societal problems dealing with mental health, personal responsibility. And it's just that they don't think that this will have an impact. You know, fundamentally. And I know, I mean, I I know Democrats strongly disagree with that, but 
Republicans, it's like one person wants to do A and someone else thinks, no, we need to do B. It's just there's not a lot of overlap there. Speaking to Dick Durbin's point earlier, I think I almost could predict exactly where this debate is going and and map out all the points. But maybe it will be different this time. Let's turn from looking forward at what might happen to looking at some of these gun bills that actually already have been introduced in Congress and the state legislature. We should talk about those a little bit, right, because they are probably more likely to become law than than some of the full-on assault weapons ban stuff that we've been discussing. Yeah, I, I don't know how likely the, the two House bills are to become law, but they did pass two bills. One was a universal background check. Uh, the other was closing the so-called Charleston loophole, which allows gun stores to sell weapons after three days if a background check does not get completed by then. And those are in Congress? Yeah, they're they're in the Senate right now. And I think in Colorado, the bills that have already been introduced here do have a pretty good chance. Um, one would require people to safely store firearms in many cases. And then another measure would require people to report a lost or stolen firearm. So those have each passed one legislative chamber, mostly on party line votes. And then there's another bill in the works that would require a waiting period for gun purchases. Mm. Democratic Representative Tom Sullivan is one of the people sponsoring some of these. He's made this issue a huge priority. If you remember, his son died in the Aurora Theater shooting in 2012, and that incident is, is what really prompted him to get involved with state politics. I thought I had an understanding of what grief was about, but when your son you know, goes to the movies on his birthday when you're going to see kids went into King Supers to pick up tonight's dinner and don't come home. That's a whole different thing. He's such a force for this issue in the legislature. He wears his son Alex's leather jacket when he comes to work at the state capitol. And he said he wears that jacket so lawmakers can see him, hopefully notice the jacket and see this is what a victim of gun violence looks like. As much as some of these debates are the same, everything is also different, too. I mean, the circumstances are different. Individuals have lost their lives. We can't predict how things are going to unfold in the next few months. And I think, you know, Fenberg said, even though he is backing this assault weapon ban in Colorado, even if that did pass, he says it still has a lot of limits. The real solution has to come from the federal government. A patchwork of laws is better than nothing. But clearly, if someone is intent on causing harm and we have strict regulations in Colorado, somebody can drive an hour and a half to Wyoming. So it's not a solution. The point is to not end gun violence tomorrow, but to prevent some of these tragedies from happening and making it so we can go longer than a week before the next tragedy. I will add, though, not to be, again, pessimistic, Um, And and this is something we heard a lot about, you know, a lot of people saying that the federal government needs to act. Mm -hmm. But I think there are some issues that Congress leads on. And I think there are others where they are led, either by the people or by states. You know, in a closely divided Congress like this one, I think gun control is going to be an issue where Congress will be following, not leading. So we usually try to end purplish with a little bit of sometimes silliness or humor, that that moment where we said, wait, what? 
And I, I, I didn't come across that moment in my reporting over the last few days. Yeah, it's not the week. Um, but Lynn, I, I hear that you kind of tried to seek out some joy in the midst of all this. So what did you find? Yeah, after tough weeks like this, I like to look for some good news mm-hmm. and 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 happy news and just things that just sort of show the goodness of people. And I came across this story. It involves broccoli tempura from Ekeben, a restaurant in Baltimore. It happens to be the favorite dish of a woman who is dying of lung cancer. And her son-in-law and daughter who live in Baltimore, Brenda and Rita Jones, wanted to, you know, make her this this her favorite meal, this this broccoli tempura. So mm-hmm. they contacted the restaurant and asked for the recipe. And the chef, Steve Chu, did something better. He and his business partner, Ephraim Abe, and another worker, they drove six hours from Baltimore to Vermont wow. to make her this meal. You know, they they drove there in the pickup truck and once they got to her condo parking lot, they like took put the tailgate down, <laughs> they cooked the tempura, they That's cooked amazing. her some other stuff, they packaged it. They knocked on her door and they delivered it. And like she was so touched, according to the article. And, you know, and the son-in-law and her daughter were just like could not believe the generosity of these people because they didn't even take money for it. They didn't even stay for dinner. They literally drove up, spent a night in Airbnb, showed up at the door at the parking lot, cooked, then drove all the way back to Baltimore. Gosh, that's amazing. And I'm assuming it was a surprise, right? Yeah. You know what? I I think that's amazing, but it's not unusual. I think people are that good and that that kind of thing actually happens all the time. And it's nice when we get to hear about it, but that is part of the human element. This week has just been crushing and... I just hope that everyone can kind of find those moments of connection and compassion and and offer those to others as well. That's it for this week's episode. Purplish is a production of member-supported Colorado Public Radio. Learn about becoming a member and join today at CPR.org. I'm Benta Berkland with my colleagues Caitlin Kim and Andrew Kenny. We'll be back in your podcast feeds next week. This is Purplish from CPR News.